Well, welcome everybody to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh. We're brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, SportsPredictor.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Once again, on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Tonight, our guest on tonight's episode is Doug West. Uh, he's been a professional sports better since 2013, mainly deals with the NBA, had five straight winning seasons in doing so, and now he'll be uh, joining up with sportspredictor.com to give his best uh, plays this season. Doug, welcome, first of all, and uh, can you, uh, to the audience out there, can you discuss your background in betting a little bit and, you know, something that's made you uh, pretty successful in doing so? Well, first of all, I just wanted to say thanks for the introduction, Alan, and uh, it's good to be here with you guys. Uh, so basically, in terms of my betting background, uh, I'm pretty sure I started out sports betting like most of us did. Uh, you know, I was making bets off my own basic knowledge of teams or, quote unquote, my feel for a game that I was going to be wagering on. And, you know, I had some winning days and some losing days like most of us do early on in our betting career. But in general, I was losing more than I would win. And at that point, 13 years ago, I was betting literally everything from 18 parlays to 16 teasers. I mean, you name it. I was just find, trying to find any way that I could win. Uh, so fast forward a few years after that, um, I wanted to switch up my approach because uh, that was getting old and I was just tired of losing on a consistent basis every month. Right. So I was very, very frustrated. So I decided to take a more serious approach and in general, and to see if I could find the perfect mix between using the knowledge that I had of sports and particularly basketball in general, and to also come up with my own model to help me gain an edge versus the bookmakers. So it wasn't a quick process, but after extensive research and a lot of trial and error building and retooling my model, I had come up with my own formula that had helped me obtain my first winning season uh, betting sports uh, on a daily basis. And then fast forward to present day, I've now had five straight winning years uh, in NBA and college basketball. So I'm looking forward to repeating that again this year. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that, you know, like a lot of trial and error, you didn't have a great start, uh, to, to doing all this. I feel like a lot of, a lot of different people do that. So, uh, you know, walk us through a typical day in the life of Doug West. Uh, what, what do you do in terms of research and things that you look out for that, you know, maybe now you're writing all the wrongs, uh, from the past? Uh, yes, sir. So a typical day for me, uh, during the NBA and college season, uh, basically every night I'm looking to the next day uh, to see what the overnight lines are and to see if there's any value in them. Um, because as you know, uh, there's a lot of line movement uh, when the lines are posted the night before in basketball. A team might open up at minus four and then, you know, by tip off, you know, 14, 16 hours later, they could be minus six and a half, minus seven. So if you do your due diligence and you can spot those indicators where you think you're going to get a team at minus four and you're like, wow, this is going to probably close a point or two higher. You need to take advantage of that. So uh, that's the first thing I do every night is I look at the overnight lines to find value. And then when I wake up the following morning, uh, I immediately check the lines and see where the market has moved. Uh, then I'll also check the injury report, obviously, because that's a big part of NBA. Uh, for example, if LeBron is questionable and you take the Lakers at minus, let's just say they're playing another solid team, they're minus four and a half at home. And then 30 minutes before game time, LeBron's not playing. I mean, that line's going to plummet probably to a pick him. He's worth yeah. he's worth a lot of points. It's not like in football where it's, you know, just the QB and maybe some top-tier DBs are worth points. Like LeBron is going to be worth X amount of points, and depending on how people rate them, and same thing with uh, Anthony Davis. So, you know, those two guys could swing a, a number in a game by probably, you know, eight, eight points right around there. So you really got to make sure you keep an eye on the injury report as well. Uh, and then one of the main things that I like to do uh, when I'm determining value on a game uh, and what's worth playing versus what isn't is being able to only make wagers on the games where you truly feel that you have an edge versus the books because the sports book has to put up a line for every single game that is being played. While we the better, we only have to bet the games where we think we have an advantage. Right. So in my opinion, this is just such an overlooked aspect in the betting world uh, that I've gotten better at through all the years, um, basically just becoming more and more patient. Uh, there used to be a time where I would want to just literally have a wager on every single game that was being televised <laughs> nationally, or I wanted to just bet a game, you know, just to have action on it. And there's nothing wrong with that if you're doing this on a recreational level or just sure. for fun. Sure. 
But if you're trying to make money consistently uh, and over the long term, the patient approach is such a major key to becoming a winning sports better. And when I say patient, I don't mean like a determined set number of plays each day, like one or two. I'm saying some days that can mean just betting one game on the board. Other days, you, there could just be a ton of value out there. Um, and that could be, you know, you're having six or seven plays that day. So it all just depends on uh, how many games that you have a statistical advantage on. And that's where you want to attack the books. See, I, I can tell this is going to be a nice partnership already because, I, you know, uh, like tonight, for instance, I'm taking the whole night off from betting. Didn't, not a whole lot that I like out there. Uh, you know, again, when people hear this, you know, this is going to be uh Friday, October 18th, or well, I'm sorry, tonight is October 18th. So, yes, you know, when they hear it, it's going to be a lot more in the future, but I, I like what you were talking about with the injuries and stuff with the NBA, because, you know, obviously like I come from the world of DFS and that has always been the main thing in DFS. Like, you know, you could put your lineup in and the guy would be injured, uh, later in the night and nobody we would even know about it. You wouldn't be able to swap it out. You know, since yep. then they've made a lot of different changes. Just curious. Uh, have you ever dabbled in the daily fantasy game with NBA? You know, the, I I've played the NBA, um, you know, where you can do the, the daily fantasy in terms of uh, you have your own fantasy NBA team and, you know, you have to really keep an eye on all that player movement, all those injuries. You have to set your lineup every night. Yep. Uh, I haven't done it the last few years uh, just because I've been so busy with my own stuff. But I, it was a great way to honestly – you really get a feel for literally guys on the end of the bench that you your, – your casual fan would never know who right, – you know, right, some, right. Some, some bottom feeder guy who only plays five minutes a game. But if there's an injury for your starting point guard and that guy has to fill into a backup role – to, you know, cover the spot that the secondary guy was going to be at, like he's going to be playing 15 minutes a game. And if you're talking about daily fantasy basketball, like he could end up having a 15.6 assist night. And that could be the difference between you winning and losing. So even though I don't play fantasy basketball uh, this year and, and I haven't played it the last couple of years, I did it for about six years in a row. And it was just such a great way to gain knowledge and, and really understand uh, where guys were at in the league. And who was getting these type of minutes and what type of level this player was. And it just was such a good way to just keep a, just keep a, like a, a good hold of the entire league and what, what, what kind of feel you were getting for not only the teams, but also the players and understanding just how they all fit in together. So I actually do still keep an eye on it, even though I don't play it on a daily basis. Um, and I, I just live, sleep, eat, breathe basketball in general. Nice. So I, I love it. So I, I'm totally on board with the fantasy community. I, I love, I just love everything about it too. Absolutely. So when I share this interview, you're probably going to get a lot of DFS fanatics saying, oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for keeping an eye on us. So yeah, exactly. of course, of course. All right. So um, before we get into some, you know, tactical things uh, with the NBA this season, uh, can you just give the audience a little bit of a description of what you're going to be doing for Sports Predictor this NBA season? Sure, not a problem at all. So this season for sportspredictor.com, I will be doing the NBA regular season from start all the way through the finals, which is in June. And all, almost the entirety of my plays will be straight wagers. I don't like to do parlays. I don't like to do teasers. There's, and here's a little FYI for people that are you know new to the betting world. Teasers in basketball are an, a, negative, a negative EV play. There's just – there's no value in teasing – basketball totals or sides i know in football that's a different story you know as long as you're not crossing the zero that's a whole nother you know can of worms but basketball there's not really any value uh teasing games so i, I like to stick to straight wagers um and those include full sides for the full game full game totals first half sides first half totals and the last few seasons i've started to incorporate first quarter sides and first quarter totals into my handicapping as well I like it. I like it. All right, let's let's get into that stuff uh, with the nuts and bolts here of the NBA. So now some people tend to look at the preseason as, eh, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be able to take anything away from that. However, there are some pretty good stretches of the NBA preseason where you know you see LeBron and AD maybe playing 25 minutes a game. Uh, did you see anything from this uh, preseason that, you know, maybe in terms of pace of play, uh, you know, anything that could work for us in betting so far? Uh, definitely. Uh, so I, I pretty much, I don't know if you remember last season, but there was just this incredible uptick in pace during last sure. year's NBA regular season. And for about, I think it was a week or two, 
the books didn't really adjust until they realized like, oh my God, like these games are flying over by 20, 30, sometimes 40 or more points. And once they adjusted, there were still, I'd say a little bit more games going over than normal, but eventually they caught up and, you know, they adjusted as they do. Um, so for this year's preseason, I've kind of noticed that these totals are being set kind of like how they were through all the regular season last year after the books adjusted. And I just did some number crunching real quick. And so far there's been 57, 59 actually NBA preseason games Two landed right on the number in terms of total. But so far this preseason, as of today, Friday, October 17th, there have been 58% of the preseason games that have just gone under. So if you're blindly betting every single NBA preseason game total under, you've cashed 58% of those tickets. Whereas if you just blindly bet the over, like I'm sure a lot of the public did last year during the regular season, you're only hitting 42% of those so far this preseason. So mm. I think that's going to carry over into the regular season because I know it's preseason and there's a bunch of other factors that are going into these games. Like you have these odd locations overseas for games and, you know, odd start times for those guys. And then also, like you said, starters aren't playing their normal amount of minutes. But I think this trend is going to go into the regular season as well. I think that we're going to see a lot of incredibly high totals posted where we're going to have a ton of value to take unders uh, in the right spots. I like it. I like it. So um, now in terms of single game bets early on in the regular season, uh, I know we talked a little bit about, you know, totals and whatnot. Uh, have you seen any maybe like rule changes, any referees maybe being a little quick to blow the whistle on certain moves or calls? Uh, anything that betters can be cognizant of here in the uh, maybe the opening two weeks of the NBA season? So basically in terms of something that they can keep an eye on, especially like you just said, for the first week or two, uh, it's plain and simple. Do not overreact. There will be a team who will overachieve early on the season that nobody really has their eye on right now. And the general public will just take way too much stock into that hot start by them. Wait a minute. You're trying to tell me that if the Washington Wizards win by 10, they're not going to the NBA finals? Yeah, right. Yeah, like let's, perfect example. Let's say the Wizards. <laughs> nobody really has them on their radar. Right? So let's say the Wizards start off, you know, 4-0 and it, they just they're just rolling like the the the. The public is going to overvalue that hot start and they're probably going to come back down to earth within a week or two. Like unless, you know, some rookie or some new person that has been integrated into that team just plays way above expectation. That's not going to usually, you know, going to keep going on that crazy uptick of four and oh, they're going to level out and plateau. And on the other side of the token, there's going to be, be a team this year that has extremely high expectations headed into the season and the sports media is in absolute love with them, and they're going to struggle out of the gate. Um, so basically, use others, whether it's your friends, your family, the media, just use others in general. Use their overreactions and their bias to your advantage because that's going to influence the market and the number. So make sure you take that into account when you're looking at the spread and total of a game. Um, this narrative creates a ton of value in the betting market. I like that. I like that. So going well. Since the end of the NBA Finals last season, uh, you know, we've had rumor after rumor after rumor, and then that circulated into probably the best NBA offseason, probably the best offseason of any professional sports we've ever seen. Uh, what do you what do you take away from, I guess, all these new rosters that we're seeing? Uh, did you get a decent look at some of these teams? And, you know, what do you expect from from a lot of guys that are playing together for the first time? I agree with you 100%. It's, it was it was a crazy offseason. We saw a ton of player movement. Um, and I feel like this is the most wide open the NBA has been in, in probably well over a decade. I mean, we had the Warriors who were just literally, they're, they're no longer the clear-cut favorite to hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy in June. Um, so, And also take into account Durant's departure, the injury to Klay Thompson. So instead of them being the clear-cut favorite like we're so used to seeing the last five years, Instead, we have a plethora of teams who are who are realizing like, hey, like we're hungry. And now without the, the juggernauts of the Warriors standing in our way, now we have an actual legit chance to win the NBA title. So I honestly think that we could pro you could probably make a case for about seven, maybe eight teams that could truly win it all this season. And I don't know when was the last time that we could actually say that with any type of, you know, you know, muster behind it. Like, 1974. No. <laughs> <laughs> seriously like it's it's wide open this year and i'm just it, it should be a great season i i just can't wait to watch it all unfold because there's going to be 
a lot of ups and downs for these teams, like we said, that are that are supposed to have these high expectations. And then there's going to be somebody that's going to come and surprise us. So it's just going to be a great year. And I really can't wait till Tuesday. So only a few more days and we got the opening night, baby. Can't wait. Now I'm a little curious. Uh, do you have a favorite NBA team or are you just strictly, you know, whoever makes me my money is my favorite? I mean, I, I have, I'm more of a guy who likes, I've grown up playing basketball my whole life and I played high school and college. So I, I, I'm more of a, player a fan of players okay so i i I like guys all across the leagues you you could literally give me tickets to a high school basketball game (laughs) in town and i'll go watch it with you know i would be into the game as if my son was on the team and you know it could be just a random team so i'm just a basketball junkie so i i just i just love it no matter what it is so I, i i like guys on the wizards to the warriors to the raptor i'm a fan of good basketball so if you're a guy who plays a fun, exciting brand of basketball and you make it entertaining to watch, I'll watch. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to bring you over to the Brooklyn Nets side of things because those are my <laughs> boys. I've been I've been a fan since forever since they were in New Jersey. So okay, you know now that well, now I believe I've been to like over 30 games the last three years. So believe me, I am not uh, climbing on on board with all the new signings and everything. This is this has been a day one sort of thing. You're, so. You've been waiting for this. Oh my god! You, like I, I was actually I, the the night that they got Kevin Durant and and Kyrie and DeAndre. Like I was out. <laughs> like I couldn't even control myself. It, it was just a fantastic night. I yeah. bet it was probably a great. You were just celebrating like you guys had won the title already. Oh my! I must have drank eighty white claws that night, and and a <laughs> bottle of champagne. But, but you know that's neither here nor there. Um. Now again, like looking at and we've mentioned this already. There's a it's a wide open NBA this season. The the most wide open since 1974. But do you think we're gonna see more teams go after that number one seed, or do you think we're gonna see these guys maybe hang back like a like a Golden State did last year, or you know, do you think we're going to see more Toronto's, more Denver's trying to get to the top? Yeah, that's a good question, Alan. So basically, I think in general, teams knowing that they no longer have to face that, you know, that juggernaut of a team like the Warriors at full strength, that's their cue to do what the Raptors did last year, which is put all your chips in the middle to win a title now. Yeah. So basically, um, I, even regardless of how it's going to impact your draft picks for next the next two, three, four years, you're going to see teams that are their ultimate goal is to just win and win now. So, like for example, perfect example, uh, L.A. Clippers, L.A. Lakers. Yeah. LeBron was getting reinforcements with Anthony Davis coming over from New Orleans, and you had Kawhi and Paul George coming over from uh, you know their respective teams, and it's basically like okay, like this is our chance to win now. Like put it put it like this. Do you think if the Raptors would have lost last season, it would have been a total failure, right? Everybody would have been like, oh, man, like they just sold their future for Kawhi and now they're going to be awful for forever. But it worked out and they won. So now they are on that list of teams that have won a title. Yeah, uh, so yeah. it all it was all worth it. So that you're going to see the teams do that exact same thing this year, just like the Lakers and Clippers are trying to do. So I think you're just going to see this all-in mentality you know, screw the draft picks for the next five years. We want to win now. So, and that's what you, what you've seen already in the, in the crazy off season that we already talked about. Yeah. I like that. You get that banner in that arena. It stays there forever. Unless, exactly. unless it's, some jokester climbs up there and steals <laughs> it and puts it in his backpack. Yeah. Right. So yeah, exactly. It's total. it's the risk reward is worth it. Especially when you don't have that, you know, that all-star team that's either not healthy because, you know, like Clay's injured and, Dur- and Durant left to your nets. Uh, so yes, it's it's wide open this year, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I can't wait. So I I realize on the notes that I gave you, I uh you know miswrote this next question, but um what like before we get into some of these title contending teams out there, who do you think are some teams? We can call them below the the playoff borderline. We can call them right on that playoff borderline. Who are some teams that you think? are going to definitely get into the playoffs and who are some teams that you think are definitely going to fall below that playoff mark? All right, let's start with the team that made the playoffs last year, but everybody just kind of made it. Okay. Well, they made the playoffs, but they're not going to really do anything. And that was the San Antonio Spurs. Okay. I kind of feel like, especially at, you know, looking at the FanDuel sports odds for uh, the title right now, let's see San Antonio is at 65 to one. And they they made they snuck into the playoffs last year. The Nuggets beat them. 
Uh, I kind of feel like with all their vets and, you know, DeJounte Murray getting a year older and a year better. Love me some DeJounte Murray. That kid's a stud. Uh, oh, I don't know. Watched the other night when he uh, he locked up Harden and then on the, he got the rebound and just pushed it the other way, coast to coast, and scored a layup on him. And it was yeah. beautiful. Um, so I kind of feel like they're an undervalued team, especially at 65 to 1. Now, do I expect the Spurs to hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy in June? No. But at 65 to 1, if they get into the playoffs and, and actually, let's say they win one round, you've got a nice hedgeable ticket at 65 to 1 if you put even, you know, 100 bucks down on that. You're, it, it's something that has a lot of value at, at that number, I see. And then a team that went a lot deeper than them last year, who I think actually has one of the eight teams that we talked about that can actually win it all, I think is the Portland Trailblazers at 39 to one is what their current odds are at. Um, So they're basically returning their entire team outside of um, what's his name? Who who, uh, actually, you know, yeah, we don't even need to talk about him. He's not heartless. Heartless was a role player. He was a defender. Wasn't really relied on the score much, but basically you've got, you've got Kent Bazemore kind of filling that role uh, in terms of where Harkless was missed. And you've got Zach Collins in his second year. You've got, obviously, Dame Dalla, who's not only a great on the basketball floor, but, you know, he kind of put Shaq to shame, though, in the, in the, <laughs> in the, in the booth. Nice. Um, but then you also have uh, – I think it's really important that they were going to get back um, Nurkic at some point. And then you got Whiteside coming in from Miami, oh. which will kind of, I think, hold the paint down until he gets fully healthy. And then the man that everybody doesn't talk about, which I deserve, he feels more and more credit – when you look back at this, but when Damian Lillard kind of was kind of a no-show in game seven uh, in Denver to get to the Western Conference Finals, CJ McCollum just balled out and he just, he's the one who won them that game. And I feel like with the one-two punch of Dame and and McCollum and then all those other pieces that we just kind of talked about, I feel like they could be a sneaky dark horse team that could win it all. I mean, they made the Western Conference Finals last year and the Warriors did sweep them. But if you remember those games, those games were close. I think outside of one game, every game was a a single digit game going to the second half, or the Blazers had a lead. It, it was yeah. it, it. They're a good team that's under the radar that nobody's really talking about. And I feel at thirty nine to one, I priced them at twenty two to one. So I feel there's a lot of value there. So if you're looking for a team that not a lot of media heads are talking about and that's good value. Blazers was at 35 to 40 to one. You'd still be getting great value compared to what I made the number, which I made it 22 to one. So that's a good, a good long shot that I think is going to sneak under the radar until, you know, playoffs come around and people are going to be going, Oh man, the Blazers are good again, but they're not priced like that right now. So take a look at the Blazers at 39 to one. So hold on. So before you get to the teams that you don't like, let me, I I wanted to counteract both those points because I love both of them. Now, San Antonio, so I, I had to look at the odds for them to make the playoffs or to not make the playoffs. They're at minus 195 to make the playoffs, plus 165 to not make the playoffs. And I feel, you know, what you just talked about right there, they're really undervaluing the return of uh, DeJounte Murray right there. Yes. So, I mean, I like, you know, when you look at other teams in terms of these odds to make the playoffs, like we're like the Knicks, for instance, right. To not make the playoffs minus, <laughs> minus 1900, right? Like that's yeah. a, that's a clear cut sign. But what the, what FanDuel is saying is that shit, man, we don't know whether the Spurs are going to make the playoffs or not, but I really do like that roster a lot. And again, regular season, that's their, that's their territory, right? Like they, they, I, 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 they kind of treat their regular season like the playoffs so that they can get to the playoffs. Now, yes. they might not do great in the playoffs, but that's what this bet is saying. So you're yes. laying down 195 to make 100 for the Spurs to make the playoffs. I, I really like that bet a lot. I, 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 like, I like it. The only thing that would keep me cautious of making that bet is just, be, just because of what we, talked to, what we talked about a little bit earlier was just how, how deep the West is. I mean, the West literally – you can make an argument that the teams that are going to miss the playoffs in the West this year, whether that's the Pelicans or the Kings or Mavericks. the Mavs, yeah, there's going to be one of those teams or maybe two of those teams that don't get in because just the West is so loaded from like one to one to six, one to seven. They're just loaded. So there's going to be a really good two or three teams that would not make it in the West. But since we have the top eight in the West, top eight in the East still, um, 
we could touch on this at a later point, but I think eventually the NBA needs to go to the just the best 16 teams. We're, you're re- I was just about to say, total offshoot question. What do you think <laughs> about it? That's great. That's great. No, yeah, well, I, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, put, put the best teams that deserve to be in the playoffs with the best records in there for the fans. And I know that the smaller market teams like the Orlando Magic and the, you know, before Trey Young got there, the, the Atlanta Hawks, like those teams, you know, weren't making the playoffs consistently. And, you know, it affects their bottom line for them not making the playoffs. Or actually, the perfect example is the Charlotte Bobcats or the Charlotte Hornets, who, you know, they, they, I remember years ago, they would make the playoffs as an eight seed and just get absolutely slaughtered by LeBron's Cleveland Cavaliers. And it, no game was ever close. I think the closest game in those series was like a 15 point loss. And like, yeah. you know, whoop de doo, you made the playoffs and you got swept in the first round, kind of like the Bucks uh, did to the Pistons last year. Like, what does that do for your franchise? You're kind of like in, you're kind of like in, you know, purgatory. You know, you're not good, but you're not bad. Uh, you made the playoffs, and now you don't get a high draft pick. Like, it, you're kind of just screwing yourself. So um, I think that the top 16 would be way better because you, you'd you have all these exciting matchups in the first round instead of these slaughter fests like what the Bucks did to the Pistons. And that would kind of eliminate that, and I think it would be good, really, really good for the league. How about the, how about we do this? Every team we we do that. Top sixteen teams, you know, play each other one sixteen, two fifteen, so on, so on. Every team plays each other twice. We shorten the season a little bit. That way, we don't have players resting. And yeah, then, no more. Learning. Yep. Yeah, and then we get it going like that. And then, of course, you could take the extra days for travel. So if you know Brooklyn has to play Portland in a first round series, you know, yeah. you could take three days between games and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, I think we just solved Adam Silver. You know, yeah, here we're I, ready. I, I, we're ready. Let, whenever let, you're let ready, me just, let me just call Adam Silver real quick. I have him on speed dial. No, <laughs> I, I wish. No, that'd be great. No, but um, no, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to send an email to the league or something because I don't. know. I'm sure they brought this up in their in their off season meetings and whatnot. But it all comes down to those smaller market owners going, "Why would you want to change the? Why would you want to change the playoff format? It's been great for us. It's been great for the league. Well, eventually, I think." Adam Silver's gonna have to look at it because not only is it gonna make the product better, but you're just gonna make more money because you're gonna get more people to tune in and view and watch the playoffs in those first and second rounds versus seeing uh, Bucks versus Pistons 4-0 sweep. You know, I just think in general it would be really good for the league. It's just gonna take them a little bit longer to get there, I think, than what we want as fans. I hear you. I hear you. So just to uh, one more question. Well, one more. I guess retort on that um, Portland situation that they got going. So, yes, could you could you see a situation at midseason where Nurkic, you know, gets back to full health? They already have Hassan Whiteside. Could you see one of those guys getting moved in? You know, perhaps uh, Portland maybe getting that missing piece that they did, that they never had. That's a good question. And off the top of my head, I would say that just thinking about Nurkic, Nurkic's injury and how gruesome it was like I kind of feel like you keep Whiteside just in case he has some you know some setbacks after he comes back to have him as like an insurance policy Mm -hmm. because Whiteside's a good defender and you know he's gonna just eat up eat eat on the glass for you and I know he's not as good of an offensive player as Nurkic but I kind of feel like you got to keep him just in case there's a setback with Nurkic so um as as glamorous as it sounds for them to trade Whiteside I don't I don't think the market for Whiteside is there in terms of getting some other star player. It would have to be more of a, you know, like a really good bench player that they could use, you know, off the bench to give him some firepower, kind of like a a poor man CJ McCollum, somebody like that maybe. Okay. Um, but if I just as of right now, I mean, obviously we can't predict how how healthy Nurkic will be when he comes back. But let's say let's say he's coming back and he's pretty healthy, just the. I don't know. I, I think I would keep Whiteside just to see, you know, and maybe maybe there's a series that they need to go big, even though I know the league has gone to a much smaller, you know, more spread out open floor uh, these these past years. But against the Lakers, that, that's a perfect series for them. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I just I just feel like keeping Whiteside would be the smart move just in case Nurkic had, you know, he tweaks his knee again or something else happens. You know, like that, that was a brutal injury that he had. It was like. It was hard to watch. I yeah, mean, it, it happened against the Nets. I saw it live. It was <laughs> you saw it live. Dang um, man. Ugh. But yeah, so I I don't know. I, to to finish it, I I would say just keep him as an insurance policy, and I think they've got the pieces to get back to make another deep playoff run because 
what what wins in late into uh, May and June is is guard play usually and and forward play. So they've got two of the best guards. They just need to get some contributions from some of their other role players. So I feel like, especially with Damon CJ in the backcourt, I mean, it, there's not really too many one-two punches in the backcourt that are better than those two. Uh, and they play really well off each other. They don't – I don't know. I've never heard anything in the media about Dame and CJ arguing about who's taking the last shot yeah, or who's got the ball in their hands. It's always – you know, and if they, they are complaining, they're doing a great job of keeping it under wraps. But <laughs> never really hear about that. They, they, they actually – I think – I don't know if you saw this, but uh, D- Damian Lillard just shot a music video for one of his, uh, his songs, and he had CJ McCollum in the music video with him. So I kind of get the feeling that they're actually – friends off the court too so they've got really good chemistry up there in portland and i got them making a deep run uh and at 39 to 1 to win the title i think that's a really good a really good wager right now a lot of value there i like it i like and again once somebody asks you to be in their rap video you're you know your boys for life that's exactly that's 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 given for sure (laughs) all right so we talked about some teams that we're high on uh who who we down on here Man, there's a lot of there's a lot of especially in the East. There's a lot of teams that I could like. We talked about the Wizards. Like, I don't have well, any I mean, expectations. I guess in terms of teams that are you know expected to make the playoffs. Okay, so you're saying a team that should be good that yeah that that could falter. Yeah, I mean, I still think they're going to make the playoffs, but like we don't know what we're going to get out of Boston last year. They were supposed to be the improved version of the team before that made a run to the Eastern conference finals. And then last year they just totally faltered. Um, I think they just had a, such a, just a, a large group of just great players. And then you had uh, Gordon Hayward coming back off that brutal knee injury and he just wasn't the same. So I'm really curious to see if Boston's going to be at that top tier in the East or they're going to fall to the mid pack. And I think by default, they're going to make the playoffs anyway, just because they're in the god-awful East. But I I, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get. And especially with um, Kemba Walker showing up in Boston now, I would expect them to kind of hold where they were. But I kind of have a question mark above their their, uh, their team. I don't know what I'm going to get from them yet. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Boston's going to do, if they're going to play up to the the talent that they have, or if they're going to be like a fifth or a sixth seed in the East, which – that would be a def- definitely a downgrade for them if they if they drop that low because if you look at the East from top to bottom, there should not be five teams better than them. They should be in that top three if you're looking at talent alone for sure. All right, let's keep it in that same division because I got questions about these guys myself. The defending champion, Toronto Raptors. Where do they go post-Kawhi era? That's a great question. So with the Raptors, you've got, you know, they went all in to win the title. They accomplished that title. So I kind of feel like, now, what are we going to get from Gasol? I know he had a great year-round of basketball, great for his home country of Spain, um, and then obviously for the Raptors. So he won two championships in a 12, uh, 12-month calendar year. Uh, but other than Gasol, I mean, they've got Stanley Johnson, who's kind of been an underachiever so far in his young NBA career. Uh, you've got Patrick McCaw, who's just a role player. Um, Cameron Payne was – in and out of the D League, up to the to the league for the Thunder. Uh, Pascal Siakam kind of emerged as a mini star during the finals, um, and then you've got Fred VanVleet too, who kind of played above his normal expectations as well in the playoffs. So, but those are those are their main players right there. Like, I don't expect the Raptors to be a top three team. I think you're going to see the Raptors. They've got a good coach. They've got good culture. But you're missing one of the best players in the league now who's just gone out to LA with the Clippers and Kawhi. So I kind of feel like the Raptors are going to go from that top three seed down to, they're going to be a middle of the pack team. And if they don't, I mean, obviously we're forgetting about Kyle Lowry, who actually played well in the finals. Well, well's an understatement. I know. Well, you know, put it like this. (laughs) I have never expected Kyle Lowry to make any clutch shot in his life. And I was always just <laughs> expecting him to miss and choke like I've known him to do. And then he came up really big in the finals. And I was like, bravo, Kyle Lowry. Good for you, bud. You got a ring. Seems like a great guy. Um, so there's your core five on the Raptors. And I guess I'm forgetting about Serge Ibaka, but he's a year older too, like Gasol. Splurge. So yeah, Serge is great. He's been great since he was, you know, came into the league with OKC. Um, but I just, I, I don't have really any high expectations for the Raptors either. Now they could surprise me and be right in that three seed. But 
I just don't really expect them to be a top two or three seed in the East, even though the East is obviously, as we've talked about, much worse than the West. But I'm curious to see what they're going to do. Um, I don't have high expectations for them. And looking at their title odds at 42 to one, uh, coming out of the East, I'd say that's about right. I made it 40 to one. So uh, I don't really, I don't really have a, okay, that's a good bet. Or I, I just pass there. That's, that's a no bet there. You just see what they do and then adjust the rankings as the season goes on. Now, real quick, I you know we'll talk about the other finals team from last year, the Warriors. So again, I'm looking at the odds here to make the playoffs or not make the playoffs. I I was dumbfound by this Warriors to make the playoffs minus three thirty to not make the playoffs plus two seventy. I mean, is it that close or are we really are we really seeing the uh, the end of an era here? I, I wouldn't say the end of an era because they still have Steph, and he is the motor that makes that car run. Possible he, MVP candidate this season? Yeah, I, I, I think we're going to see a, uh, the Steph, the pre-Kevin uh, Durant Steph, where everything worked through Steph. I mean, as you've seen in, in the small little snippets of the uh, postseason, Steph is just running off screens, and he's so good off the ball. Obviously, everyone's come to know how good he is when he has the ball in his hand. He's a wizard. Uh, him and Kyrie have the best handle in the league, and Steph's the best shooter off the dribble that I think we've ever seen. Now, we see a ton of guys who can catch and shoot well, but Steph off the dribble, there's nobody on this planet who can shoot the ball as well Not even close. he can off the dribble. It's it's insane. Um, so anyway, so Steph, we still got Steph. Uh, so I, I still think the the dynasty, it might take a year off because – you know, it, it's kind of, defenses are just going to load up on Steph. They're going to double team him when he gets a high ball screen and make the ball come out of his hands and see who else can beat them. I mean, Draymond's a great – when Draymond is your third best player, he's really, really good. Very true. Um, but when he's your second best player and he's going to be asked to step up and take more of that scoring load off of Steph's shoulders, um, I don't think he's going to be as effective in terms of as score because he's more of a passing – uh, he's like more of a point forward, like, like LeBron, like he can have the ball at the high post or at the top of the key and he can just knife you up off backdoor cuts and, and hitting Steph and clay when they come off those screens. So without clay there, it kind of moves everybody up a level in terms of their responsibility. And I think Steph will flourish in that role, but in terms of everybody else on the team, you've got a bunch of new faces on the team. You've got Marquise Chris, who's a young big, you've got Willie Colley Stein, who's kind of the same, same mold as Marquise Chris. Uh, other than that, you've got some young rookies who have some some really big upside, but you don't have that other just score other than um, not Damian Lee, other than D'Angelo Russell. Like, and I don't know what I'm going to get out of D'Angelo Russell. Am I going to get the young D'Angelo Russell who was snitching on, um, <laughs> who was the major snitch in LA on Nick Young, or am I going to get the D'Angelo Russell that realizes that he's in a culture? And a team that has done nothing but win and does everything the right way and play within the system and be Steph's, you know, sidekick? Or is he going to try to get his? And and I don't really think we're going to see that type of uh, D'Angelo Russell. I think nah. I think he'll fit in well and a lot better than people initially reacted when that trade happened. Like, I, I got texts and calls from people the quote night un, that Quote, happened. unquote, trade, but yes. Yeah, you know, quote, unquote, trade. I got texts and calls from people that night going – what are the Warriors doing? He doesn't fit at all. And I go, the first thing I said to them was, how many titles has that front office and Steve Kerr won in the last five years? And they go, oh, well, they've, they've won, you know, they've won four rings. And I go, well, they know what they're doing. I said, they drafted Clay Thompson. They drafted Draymond Green. They drafted Steph Curry. I'm pretty sure I trust their player development and their scouts over you, who is just an average fan, you know, and my friend, like, I, right. like, they know what they're doing. So I, I, I kind of have a feeling that D'Angelo is going to um, – he's going to succeed and thrive in, in Oakland. And he or, – sorry, now they're in San Fran, but they're still the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and that brand-new beautiful – weird arena. to say. Very weird to say. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the arena <laughs> – one, one of my best friends has season tickets out there, and um, he was sending me some videos. And the arena is gorgeous, and it's literally only six or seven miles across the bridge from Oakland to San Francisco. So right. – you know, it's not going to change much for the players or, or for anybody else. It's just a brand new arena. I, I just kind of feel bad for uh, everybody who worked at Oracle and, and that and that and that arena and the mystique it had. And yep. it was a really good, a really tough place to play for opposing teams. So we'll kind of see if that translates over across the bridge into San Fran at the Chase Center. But um, the Warriors, uh, getting back to the number, 
Um, I, I think it's a little high um, in terms of them to make the playoffs just because of just the vast deepness of the West. I mean, just going down the list, the Mavericks are not a lock, but they could make the playoffs. They could be an eight or seven. The Nuggets are definitely going to make the playoffs. The Warriors are, they could, they should, but I don't think it's, you said it was 370, correct? To, to make the playoffs, yes. Yes, minus 370 to make the playoffs. I think that number's a little high. Now, I'm not running to the book to make that bet of, oh my God, they're going to miss or they're going to make. But I, I, feel, I feel there's like a little value in the no because let's say Steph gets hurt. He has, he has as I used to call his ankles, paper mache. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you go back to those first five, six years of Steph and the Warriors, he missed a lot of games. He, he did. He was, sure as hell did. Yeah, and, and if, if he misses 15 games this year, and I know 15 doesn't sound like a lot, but in an 82 game regular season, 15 games is a, is almost a quarter of the season. Yeah, like the Warriors can miss the playoffs, and that's not because Steph's not doing his thing. That's because of just how good, good and deep the West is. So, I think there's a little bit of value in taking the no. Do I think they're going to make it? Yes, as long as everybody stays healthy. But as we saw last year, there's no guarantee that everybody's going to be healthy. If the Warriors were healthy last year, they would have won the title. Durant and Clay don't get injured. They would have probably beat the Raptors four to one or maybe four two if they had an off game. But that's not how it works out. Injuries happen. It's part of life. It's part of the part of the NBA, any sport. So you have to adjust and move on. So taking all that into consideration, there is some value if you want to, you know, put a little bet on that. Warriors to not make the playoffs. I think there's a little value on it. Although, like I said, I expect them to make it, but there's there's a little bit of value there if, if you wanna if you wanna dabble in that. Yeah, definitely. As a as a again as a Nets fan watching D'Lo for a lot of last year, I feel like a lot of that that skepticism within that number is is on D'Angelo Russell because you know if you, if you go back to last season, he really did not get going until Karis LeVert went down with that gruesome injury. Yes. You yes. Know? And again, and Dinwiddie had a little bit of an injury issue last year that he had to deal with. And again, D'Angelo, his numbers went up like significantly when when all those guys were out of the lineup yeah and again too when Levert came back and look D'Angelo did not play well at all in that playoff series against the the Sixers there in the first round so again I I I do think that he could be the reason for that skepticism but you know again I, I I just thought that was such an interesting number to talk about that I just saw as we started talking so definitely definitely a great convo on that we will continue on that but let us end We'll continue another day, I meant. But let us end with the heavyweights. We got to talk about the heavyweights. Who's winning the NBA title this year, Doug? Man, I mean, it, it's so it's so mainstream, and it's just hard. Like like we like I just touched on. If injuries weren't an issue, it's very easy to say you know Clippers or Lakers just because they're loaded and they've can got. That, can that please be the Western Conference Finals, please? Please. I, I would love for it to be like, either. I've never even been to SoCal, and I want to see that. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> that just it just has all the mystique around it, and this the the, the star power, and in the second biggest market in the country, it, it would be it would be a great Western Conference Finals. Or hell, I'll take it if it was a second round matchup. Um, yeah. But it's hard to pick outside of the Lakers or Clippers. But this there's no value in the number right now. Taking the Lakers or the Clippers, I mean, right. they're it's it's what well, last time I checked it was Clippers are like three and a half to one and the Lakers are four and a half to one. There's just there's no real value in a term of betting either of those teams right now. But if you had to just pick a winner, it's got to be one of those two teams. Now, if I want to talk about value, like earlier we touched on, mm -hmm. I'm betting I'm betting the Portland Trailblazers to win. Okay. Or you know maybe I'm gonna bet a team that's right around that same level of talent. And, and has been deep in the playoffs. But I really feel like if you if your life depended on it, you would be hard-pressed to not pick either the Lakers or Clippers in terms of just, in general, who's going to win the title. But am I betting the Lakers or Clippers at three and a half or four and a half to one? Uh, no, no, not at all. There's no value there. It, it, there's zero value. So I just, in terms of those season-long bets where you're betting the team to win the title – my one and only bet is going to be on the Portland Trailblazers. Every other team, I, I really feel like you don't you don't get the true value out of taking a team like that because, like we touched on earlier as well, what if LeBron gets injured? I mean, LeBron has been playing in the league for, was it 17 years now, 16 years? What is it? A lot. It's a lot. And he's got so many miles on his <laughs> body. And, and take into account, you know, he was in the East for all those years. 
he he was playing a season and a half every yeah. single year. You know, a deep finals run. I know that a lot of the teams they played in the first round were cupcakes like the Charlotte Bobcats back in the day. But, you know, he's playing NBA minutes, putting all that mileage on his body. So if LeBron gets hurt and we know Anthony Davis has been the exact opposite of a, you know, uh, a machine who's played all these games. I mean, if you look at Anthony Davis's injury report, sprained left toe, sprained right quad. Sore lower back, and it goes on and on. So the Nike Air heel shoe is coming out later this year. <laughs> so basically, yeah, like there's no value in taking a team with such short odds because of the injury factor. So you're better off taking a team like Portland or maybe even Denver at twenty to one, who proved that they could play at that high level too. Um, and I, that's why I shy away from taking big favorites on future bets like that. All right, couple points. Like, since you didn't mention the East at all, right? Um, so last year, I actually took a very small flyer on the Bucks at plus ten thousand to win oh, the nice. NBA title. Yeah, so I was able to cash out early, and I made a nice little profit on that. However, That's nice snag. Thank you, thank you. I feel like the Seventy Sixers are really in the running here. Um, you gotta granted. Look, they lost Jimmy Butler. Uh, you do gain. You gain Jay Rich from Miami there. You gain Al Horford there. This defense is going to be something serious. Could I don't want to say that teams are going to mold to the way that the 76ers play, but I can really see their defense being a problem, especially in the postseason. What do you think? I I, I, I tend to agree with you, but instead of taking them at plus 700 or plus 800, so 7 or 8 to 1 to win the title, at a team like the Sixers who – were, you know, the Kawhi Leonard bouncing corner three away uh, from, yeah. you know, uh, going to the final. I mean, that was oh, just Canada. brutal. Right? This is so brutal the way they, they got they got bounced. Um, I would look to if, – if I had to bet the Sixers in any fashion uh, for – to either win it all or any type of bet like that, I would actually look at the Sixers to win the East instead because mm-hmm. think of it. Unless there's another crazy injury like there was last year with Durant and Clay. When the team that, you know, comes out of the East, whether it's the Sixers or the – well, not the Nets this year because, you know, they, they're they playing with half not the team. Not this year. We're, we're this waiting till next year. We're waiting it, till next year. So, yeah. So, you know, let's just say the Heat, you know, really surprise people or the Raptors somehow you know, stay above water. But the Milwaukee Bucks, if it's not the Bucks, like let's say it's the Sixers. Yeah. Like, it, to win the East I think is a little bit better of a wager because you're not going to have to face that – quote-unquote super team out of the West, whether it's, you know, the Clippers or the Lakers or maybe it's the Blazers. But, like, I'd rather bet the Sixers to win the East at plus maybe it's probably four to one or three and a half to one uh, because I lo- I really do like their roster, even though they got rid of Jimmy Butler down in Miami. I-, I think, like you said, they've got pretty much the whole core of their team still there. Um, that Just the way they got bounced last year, those guys were probably – they probably took a week off in the offseason and they were right back in the gym just chomping at the bit to have the season start again to, to right that wrong. Uh, there's a guy that the Sixers got. I, 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 oh, I saw it on Twitter last night. Um, I cannot remember the guy's name, but he's going to be a serious defender for them. It's not, it's not Jay Rich. It's not Horford. It's not, you know, Embiid Simmons. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling to find it right now, but. The guy has just been playing unbelievable defense in the in the preseason. So if he, you know, continues that that line of work throughout the entire season, I think that's where they're really going to be a problem. But is it a guard or a forward? Uh, I believe a forward. Number twenty two. Uh, was it twenty two? Let's see off the top of my head. Twenty two, twenty two, twenty two. Uh, was it Matthias Thybul? I believe so. Yes. Uh, Matisse. Matisse. Yeah, he went to UW. He went to University of Washington. That kid right. was, uh, if I remember, he was. Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. Yes, um, I was watching some highlights on him last night. My goodness. If, yeah. if, if that translates to the regular season. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a weapon that, you know, obviously they draft, you know, he's a he's a stud on the defensive end. And if it, if his offense can even get half as good as his defense, like he's going to see a ton of minutes and he's going to have a real impact on games. But, no, he is I, – I watched that kid. I, I mean, like I said, I'm a, I'm a basketball junkie and I, I do – High I'm school a, fanatic, folks. <laughs> I'm going to be doing, obviously, college basketball for Sports Predictor uh, nice, nice, as well. Nice. So, I mean, I've watched just so much basketball that I, I know a lot of these players really well. And that guy was – he was a stud in college. And most most studs in college are offensively minded. And he was right. the opposite. It was defense first for him. So, 
that's what's going to keep him in the league. And if he can just continue to develop his offensive game, I, that's just going to be bo- a bonus for the, the Sixers because they've got a ton of firepower already. He's just going to really help them out of the defensive end. And really, it's going to really pay dividends when you get into a playoff series and that second half of that game just comes to a grinding halt and it's no longer up and down. That's where a guy like Thibault is going to really come into play and his value is going to show. Indeed, indeed. I, man, I saw those highlights. I was like, whew, I might have to put my uh, might have to put my season-long bet in right now. All right, right, Doug, we have well eclipsed over the time that we had allotted, but dude, it was it was well worth it, man. We got a lot of basketball knowledge in today. We're certainly going to be talking a lot more uh, throughout the season. Again, you mentioned that you're going to be talking about college basketball for the folks. I'm very excited to talk about that as well. Uh, do you have a Twitter that the people can uh, find yet? Yes, sir. Are you ready? Uh, well, I, I'm ready, but are, are the <laughs> listeners ready? All right. So it's at the letter W, the letter C, Sports Edge. So it's at Dub C Sports Edge. So it's basically short for at West Coast Sports Edge. But Twitter doesn't allow you to write out that many characters. So I had to, to short the to West Coast. That. You hate to hear that. Yeah. So yeah. So basically, I had to shorten it. So the at symbol WC Sports Edge is where you can find me on Twitter. WC Sports Edge is where you find him. But the most important place that you find Doug is at sportspredictor.com. Once again, folks, we're going to have so many uh, just unbelievable professional betters uh, giving their best plays this season. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of these podcasts and stuff like that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Once again, sportspredictor.com. Also on Twitter, you find us at PredictorHQ. Doug, I had a blast talking some ball with you tonight. Uh, any any closing thoughts on uh, you know before we tip off for the NBA season? Uh, Alan, I just wanted to say it was great talking to you as well, buddy. I, I had a blast. You, I mean, man, it that that flew by. It, it did. It did. We were supposed to do it for 30, <laughs> 35 minutes, and we're almost up to an hour now. So I, I love yeah. it. Love. I love just the back and forth talking about hoops. I mean, I could talk about hoops all day. So I, I loved it, man. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm really happy to be part of the uh, sportspredictor.com family and looking forward to a successful and profitable season, both in NBA and college hoops. And um, I also look forward to our next podcast. Absolutely. That's right, folks. That next podcast, you'll find it, sportspredictor.com. We'll be back with more later this week. So make sure you stay tuned. Peace.